Man, it's always great to be back what I call home. Uh, many of you may not know this, but I, I grew up right down the street from here. Uh, I'm from St. Alphonsus. Any St. Alphonsus alumni here? All right. And so, man, St. Alphonsus back in the Stinger Hornet days. And uh, so every time I come back home, it's an honor to come here at, at this church. And I tell you, uh, I'm very proud of this church. And I, I leaned over to Jane was saying that earlier, is that every time I come here, every year, it's like the church just keeps growing. And, and you guys know that healthy things grow. That's important for you to know as a church. But it's also part of your vision. Uh, your pastors here, man, they want to grow and continue to grow to reach this community. And I'm just going to ask all of you, man, if you love your pastors, Pastor Jay and Stacy, a uh, great friend of Marcy and I, are so thankful for them and them being a light in this community. If you love them, let's give them a hand as well. You guys are so blessed to have their leadership here. But what I always love about coming home here is the hospitality. You know, you walk in the church, everybody's hugging and high-fiving. It's like, man, you guys give good hugs here, man. And I don't like hugs. It's like, give me my distance here. But I always like being back here at home. And I'm just going to tell you guys, you can mark this down. Journey Church has a great purpose. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to continue to move all throughout this area. And so I just want to encourage you to be open to what God has for y'all. Be open to what God is leading in your church because there's great things ahead. And as we look back over these past 10, 11 years, it's been amazing. But I'm going to tell you guys, God's still got a lot of work to do. And uh, sometimes I mess with Jay, but y'all do realize we're the same age. I know y'all can't tell that. He looks like my older, 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 real older brother, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he, he's now what i known as Grumpy Grandpa, right? So uh, I've, I've learned that's his new nickname. And there's no doubt Olivia's got him just wrapped around that finger, man. So uh, it's awesome to see their family growing. Uh, but this weekend, we're going to continue in the series that you guys are in. But I just want all of you to just take a moment real quick and just relax. Everybody relax? Y'all good? It's summertime. We just want to relax. But here's the thing I want to challenge you with. As I look around the room here today, there's no doubt, I believe, it's not by chance, but there's no doubt that every person in this room, you're desiring some type of change in your life. You know, we don't just come to church in a sense just to be the church and, and worship God, but there's a lot of times we come to church because we're expecting God to move and do some things in our lives. Amen. And the whole thing when we look at this, especially going through this series is, is we want God's Word to change us from the inside out. And so the challenge a lot of times is, is God, I want to be a better me. Come on, have you ever thought about that? God wants you to be a better you. And so you're sitting here today and maybe you need God to be a better husband. And all the ladies say... Amen, right? Or some of you ladies, you know, you need to be a better wife. And all the men said, there we go. Men, y'all scared on that one, right? <laughs> y'all were scared. Some of them guys saying, uh-uh, I baited you. I baited you, man. But, you know, there's no doubt we want to be a better you, a better person, a better follower of Christ. We want to make better decisions as we go into the summer. We want to be better with our finances, better in pursuing the things of God. But let's be honest, guys. Sometimes when we look at our lives, things aren't getting better. Can we be honest this weekend? I mean, you look around your life and it's like, God, look, where are you? God, I thought this, I thought that, but, but I look at my life and it's like, man, these things aren't changing. As much as I have desire, the change is still not happening. Listen, you can come to church year after year, right? 
You can hear sermon after sermon. Some of them are great. Some of them are good. All right? You can really be pursuing after God. But here's the thing I want you to see. If your heart's not open to all that God wants for you, you're still not going to get the change that you so much desire. We want to change. Like Jay said, we want to become more like Christ. Our relationship with God should always be growing. And so the aim of this series, really, as you go in this summer, it's just for you to simply grow in your walk with God. And the best way we know that you can grow in your walk with God is looking at the Gospels and learning to hear from God's Word. Right? Can I have an amen? amen? It's the Word of God that changes us. But when I start talking about hearing from God's Word, everybody gets a little weird. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, you talk about hearing from God. There's some weird people, right? I mean, they come out of the woodworks. Oh, you said hear from God, right? But here's the thing about those people. Man, look, y'all talk to yourselves a little bit way too much, and I'm comfortable with it, right? I mean, it's like God said this, God said that. God didn't say anything to you at times, right? Some of y'all are like, man, God told me to go to Chick-fil-A. If he did, you missed it today because it's Sunday, right? God didn't tell you to go to Chick-fil-A. But a lot of times we're aiming at wanting to hear from God, but it's more than just hearing. It's hearing God's word and letting it take root in your life. Now, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, I want you all to look at this verse here. And I want you to look what it says here. It says, let the word of God, everybody catch that. It says, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the word of God dwell in you abundantly. Now, when you read that, it don't just say, let the word of God. You just glance over it and no change. It doesn't just say, hey, pull out your Devo, do your morning Devo, whatever. Let the word of God just kind of casually come into you. The word dwell, it means this. It means to make its home on the inside of you. Now, I don't know about you guys, but in the lawn house, things have changed up. My daughter's back from college. My son had a situation I'm going to talk about later. And all of a sudden, they're back at home. All right? I love my kids, but hey, it's like empty nest. I'm enjoying it, right? And here's the thing, man. When you make room at home, things change. And if the Word of God is going to be at home in your heart, how many of you guys know there's some change that needs to take place on the inside. So he's saying, look, I want my word to come in you, but I want it to dwell with you. Why does Jesus aim that at us so much? Because there's a point in your life, I want you all to look at me here, you're going to need the word of God. Your job starts shifting. How many of y'all know you're going to be praying, God, I need a word from you? You got some challenges that you're facing, maybe physical, health issues. You go right to the word, right? If you want to get married, like my son coming up, amen, you better hear from God to get, make sure you marry the right person, right? And if you own a few teenagers, right, <laughs> how many of y'all know, you, you better hear from God on that. It's like, God, help me, right? Give me a word or something. The word of God is what changes our lives. And I know y'all been in this series for two weeks here, but I'm going to tell you right now, I believe this word today is one of the most important ones throughout this series. And it's not just because I'm speaking, all right? I'm just, you know, just saying how you say No, but I'm saying that because it's all about how does the word of God take root in your life. Because God speaks the word, but are you allowing it to take root in your life? Look at Luke chapter 8 here. And we're going to hang out on Luke chapter 8. That's where we're going to look at this parable. But in Luke chapter 8, 
He says this, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, when I first read over that, and I'm, I'm Cajun, and so you kind of like, what, what the heck does that mean, right? Come on, any of you Cajuns, y'all relate? It's like, he who has ears to hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Apparently, you can have an ear and still not what? Hear. You can have maybe two ears and still not hear. The focus when Jesus was teaching the parables was making sure that you really lean in and listen, but also make sure you hear. And here's what it says in this particular parable we're going to look at. Jesus kind of stopped as he was introducing the parables. He says, if you don't get this, you won't get anything else in the kingdom of God. Uh-oh. Everybody say, uh-oh. I mean, that's one of them. You better slow down. It's one of the first parables being taught that Jesus spoke. You better slow down and say, oh, wait a minute. What is he saying here? If you don't get this, you will not understand the kingdom of God. So, parable. We're looking at these short stories that, that Jesus shared. And, and, and the thing about having an ear, and some of you ladies can relate to this. If you're married, how many of y'all know some of your husbands got selective hearing? Come on, any ladies can relate to that? Right? Come on, some of you ladies, y'all y'all proud. Lifting that hand. Every now and then, Marcy will call me. And my bride will call me up. We've been married now almost 26 years. And she'll call me and she says, hey, look, uh, I'm busy. I'm working on this too. And I got this and got that going. But, but listen, on the way home, can you just drop by and pick up some milk? And I'm like, no problem. No problem, right? She goes, no, 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 stop. Listen to me, right? Come on, man, you know that. Now, you know that's kind of, Listen to me. What do you need to pick up? I got it, babe. Milk. No problem. I go back doing what I need to do. And on the way home, I'm in my car up, you know, up on the mountain there. I make a pit stop there, and I come home, and the first thing she says, instead of, man, hey, babe, I love you, she's like, did you pick up the milk? And I'm like, uh, I thought you said ice cream, right? I mean, they're kind of similar, right? A little similar there. But here's the things a lot of times she'll say is, Darren, you were listening, but you weren't hearing. Guys, that's the whole point of the parables. That's the whole point of Jesus' short stories is for you to lean in and not just listen, but hear what God's trying to say. He goes on later in verse 18 in Luke. He says, therefore, consider carefully how you listen. There's two words when you particularly study this in the original language for the word hearing. There's one just casual hearing. We're just sitting and we hear, right? But Jesus is referring to another word that means this. Hearing with the intent to obey. You're leaning more forward. Y'all follow me? I mean, you zeroed in. You know, you, you, you focused in on what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to understand the word, you're going to have to focus in on and really listen to what he says. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this statement down. All right, and that is if God's word is not working for you, you have to check the ground in which it landed. All right, let me say that again. If God's word is not working for you, the problem's not with the word. You got to check the ground or check the heart in which it's what? Landed it upon. So if you have your Bibles, let's all turn to Luke chapter 8. And if you don't, you can follow on the screen. But again, we're introducing this whole story about the parable of the dirt. That's what I call it. All right? Many of you may refer to it as the parable of the sower. All right? I think the emphasis is more on the dirt here, and we'll see that. The parable of the dirt. 
And so in Luke chapter 8, verse 4, let's kind of just set this up. As Jesus was traveling, doing ministry, lots of crowds would gather before him. And as y'all learned even earlier in the, in the first week of this, a lot of the religious leaders were around him. The people of the church of that day were gathered around Jesus. Lots of crowds. Lost people, people that thought they were, quote, quote, worshiping and serving God. They were very religious. And so here's this large crowd around Jesus listening to what he says. And so look what it says here in verse 4. It says, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town to town came to him, he said in a parable. Here's the first time we're introduced to parables here in the gospel. The word parable, when you look at it, it just simply means this. It's a simple story with a big idea spiritually. It's just taking something of reference, cultural reference that, that many of you may know, and then you put a spiritual, uh, a spiritual principle behind it. It's very simple, okay? And he says this. He says, a sower or a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Verse 6. And some fell upon the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture or no depth as well. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And some fell upon the good soil, and it grew and yielded a hundredfold. Then he goes on in that verse 8. He who has a ear, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, then he starts teaching a little bit about the parables what they mean, and then you jump down to verse 11. This parable don't need any help of our interpretation. Y'all do realize that, right? I mean, a lot of times people, oh, I got this right. Let the Bible interpret itself, okay? So it's going to interpret itself, verse 11. Now, Jesus says this. Here's what the parable means. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word of their hearts so they may not believe and are not saved. There's a little caution there. Verse 13, and the ones on the rock are those who hear, and they hear the word. They receive it with joy. Come on, a little shouting there. All right. But, uh-oh, everybody say but. But they don't have roots. They believe for a while, but when the time of testing, they fall away. Verse 14, as those who fell among the thorns, these are those who hear, but they go on their way. They're choked. Everybody say choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As that of the good soul, these are those who, hearing the word, they hold to it fast with an honest and good heart, and they bear, listen to what it says, fruit with patience. And there's a lot to this particular verses here. But a couple of observations, and again, if you're taking notes, you can think about this. As I read this few observations, number one, you can have good seed but if the soil is bad, it will not produce fruit. Correct? You can have good seed, but if the soil is bad, it will not produce good fruit. Also, if the soil is bad, the seed can never take root. Before you have fruit, you have to have what? Root. So when we look at this, the observation is the seed is the word of God, which is not changing at all. Have y'all noticed that? The seed's still the seed here. But the soil, the dirt, is different. Y'all notice that? And so what it's showing here, what I believe, is the condition of the heart. 
Sometimes I used to read this and think, oh, this person's this way, this person's that way, that person's that way, but I'm saved, praise God, I'm good, right? That's more of a religious attitude. But what I realized as I started studying this particular parable is saying, you know what? I identify with all four of the soils here, right? There's sometimes in my spiritual walk, I've been hard towards God, unresponsive, callous. There's times in my walk with God where I received it with joy, but all of a sudden when a time of testing came, I was not steadfast. I gave in. There's times where I received the, the word of God, things are going great, and all of a sudden my neck's looking somewhere else, right? Being pulled back to maybe some of the things of the world to where it chokes the word of God. And then there's sometimes I receive it with a pure heart, and then God really does his work. So the aim at this message, especially as we're in this summer, is I want to get you to relax, but here's what I want to challenge you with, and that is search your heart today. All of us want to grow. All of us want change, right? We opened up with that. We want to be a better you, a better person, but sometimes we have to do a little heart checkup. So in your notes, four questions I'm going to throw at you. Number one, if you're taking notes, is your heart hard? Has your heart become callous? In verse 12, it said, its seed fell among the footpath. Now, any hunters in here? Come on, any deer hunters in here? Make sure I'm in the right room. Make sure we got the right church here, Jay. You know, I know Jay, you know, but it hunters, okay? Here's the thing about that. If you start getting your stand, especially if you got a good one, over time, you're going to create a footpath. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, the first time you're trying to cut that stand, get everything ready, cutting that path, things are growing everywhere, weeds, and all of a sudden, year after year, you start trampling on that same ground, you created a path, which we like is good, right? However, in this context, being trampled on is not a fun thing. Being walked on is not a fun thing. Because here's what happens. How do we get hard of heart? How does when God's word is trying to touch you or speak to you and there's hardness there, what happens we get trampled by the world? It's called footpath, traffic of the world. And here's the thing I've learned about the world. The world will always overpromise and underdeliver. Have y'all noticed that? It's like, man, this is great. They lure you in, and before you know it, you've been trampled on. Some of you in this room, you've been abused by others. You've been trampled on. Some of y'all have been trampled on because of maybe prejudices or different things in your life. Maybe you were judged because of this or that, and you've been trampled on. And what happens is you start hardening your heart. Well, you don't trust anymore. We know the world tramples on our heart. But let me tell you another place that gets trampled on, and I call it the trampling on or the footpath of the church. A lot of people don't want it. Oh, we in church. Don't go there. Don't go there. But here's the thing. I've been hardened because of the church. The problem with the church is not the world. The problem with the church is the church, right? All right? And that's what I love about a life-giving church like Journey. You guys get that, of being life-giving truth and grace and love in this community. But I'm going to tell you right now, it always went that way, guys. At 1996, I got a phone call, and I was out. I, I mean, you may not know this, but in 1996, I was coaching at Denham Springs High School. Go Yellow Jackets, right? And it was right in August. It was two days. We were getting going. I was walking out of my office, and my wife, the beeper went off. Come on, ladies and gentlemen. 
I mean, I had a beeper, y'all. I'm strutting my stuff, right? I got a beeper. Some of y'all kids, you don't know what the heck a beeper is. But it said 911, so I picked up the phone, rotary dial back in my office. Some of y'all know what that is. Called my bride. She was at the hospital, and here she was right around 24, 23 weeks pregnant, and the baby was coming. I don't know about you guys, but, but I'd rather the baby stay a little bit longer, right, and mama there. But here's what happened, guys. Change started taking place in the DeLon home. My schedule, my life, I had to focus on my bride. Why? Because she needed me. And time and time again, the doctor would say, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. The baby's not going to make it. The ba-. So we are always living under that. Every day waking up, oh, is he going to make it? We called him Baby D. We didn't know it was a boy at the time, but it was Baby D, Baby D. And in time, I was coaching. I was going to school still at LSU. And then also, I was pastoring. I had a full schedule. Oh, and by the way, did I tell you my wife was bed? She was at bed rest, right? Okay. But I'll never forget, I get a phone uh, call, you know, at home, and here we are, and, and the pastor said, hey, I want to meet with you tonight. And so I said, okay, no problem. So I go sit down on Sunday evening, and he says, hey, hey, I noticed you've been skipping out on Monday night prayer. And I'm like, he's skipping out, right? Now, I thought he was calling me to encourage me, be with your wife, take care of your family. And then he just started kind of having a tab on all the stuff I was missing. And before you know it, we're talking, I'm realizing this conversation's not going very well, right? Y'all ever been in those conversations? And he looked at me and says, look, you're going to have to choose a church or choose your family. Which one are you going to do? Now, again, I don't have a lot of redemptress people in the house, but y'all, some of you may know me, the, the B.C. days before Christ. I just wanted to visit those days real quick, right? And I wanted to do a DeLon on him, just, just grab him by the throat right across the desk. And, man, as I walked out real quick, there was no question about that. He says, I divorce you from the church. And, guys, I will never forget from that moment driving up Greenville Springs Road all the way back to Central. The, 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 the time I was in that car, my heart, bitterness, revenge, grudge. I mean, just balling up inside of me. Over and over, thinking about what I could do to him, right? Come on, son. I'm just being, can I be honest? I know y'all so holy, y'all don't do none of that, right? I mean, y'all never been mad at the pastor, right? I mean, Jay's just so sweet, sweet, right? But by the time I got home, here's what I did right before I pulled up in the driveway. I said, God, I'm just telling you right now, you can take ministry and you can take church and you can do something with it. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. And for the next two years, I want y'all to look at me. I was imprisoned by unforgiveness. I could have justified it like many of you. Look, if you've been abusing here, you didn't ask for that. But again, God still gives us a choice to forgive. If the word of God is going to penetrate your heart, if the word of God is going to change what it wants to change, one of the first things I have to do when I come to Christ and I continually as a believer is check my heart and make sure there's no unforgiveness. Amen. So is your heart hard? We said earlier the word of God is there, the seed's there, but the problem is the ground that it lands on. If the word of God is not working in your life, one of the first areas I always have to look at is say, is there unforgiveness? Hard hearts, question. 
Who do you need to forgive today? By name, as I'm saying this, some of you know exactly. Maybe that person comes to mind. And I'm just going to encourage you to say, God, give me the grace to forgive. God, I choose to forgive. Because one day you're going to need forgiveness too. We all need grace. Amen? So is your heart, is your heart hard? Second thing we see here, looking at the different types of dirt. It's not just a hardened heart, but he goes on and he, he talks about this in verse 13. It says, those on the rock are those who receive the word when joy they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Second question you want to look at is your heart shallow. How do you know that? You're impulsive. It's like you got spiritual ADD. You come in serving God. It's all great. You shout loud. You're enjoying the music. All of a sudden, you're looking at everybody, judging people. They don't worship the way I worship, right? It's like, man, you are so awesome. You go, you get saved. You go to the Christian uh, store if there is such a thing anymore. And then you buy a shirt that says, hey, I found Jesus. And it's like, what about you, right? I mean, just so excited. But look what the Bible says. When a test comes. Now, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I read the Bible, sometimes I want to have an eraser with me. Any, anybody there? Come on, be honest. But here's what I notice about Christianity. It's not what the TV says it always is. All right? It says when the testing comes, you do realize you're going to be tested. And when you get tested, especially in storms, it always goes back to the root goes back to the root. You might look great on the outside, but what's down deep on the inside here? The roots. And if you have faith, here's the only way you know you really have faith. It's going to be tested. Right? Now, guys, listen to me. Any of you ever wanted to quit in here? Come on, be honest. I mean, there's some of you right now that maybe are being challenged with your marriage. You're thinking an easy way out, man, if I just quit. Some of you want to give up at work. Some of you maybe want to give up on your health. Some of you have been fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. It's like nothing's going right. And what happens, you get so frustrated. It's like, I just want to quit. Man, I've been there, guys. I told you earlier, we had a rough pregnancy. My wife, not me, my wife, all right? And listen, man, my, my son wasn't supposed to be here. So my son comes early. We're always down in New Orleans. At the hospital there, craziness. We couldn't lay him down because he would choke to death. So she had to hold him almost seven months. Imagine that, living in the living room. And it's all these things. And every day, it's like one label after another. He'll never be this. He'll never be that. He'll never be this. And then finally, there was one time it was just like, God, I give him to you. But here's the thing that happened. Years ago, as a parent, I just got to be honest, my, my son wrote a paper in high school. And y'all know, you know, parents, sometimes your kids, they, they don't tell you much that's going on in school. But it was just sitting on the counter, and we had one of those, are we going to read it or not read it? Come on, parents, y'all ever done that before? And, man, I grabbed that paper, and at the top of it, it says, struggles make you stronger. I was like, hmm. And we started reading that thing, and it was all about his existence and how his struggle and every label he got, it made him more of a fighter. Amen. Right? And I'm going to tell you guys, a couple of weeks ago, he was getting all excited because he was getting engaged. So he was planning it. He was working on it. And then here it is. I'm out of town. I'm speaking in California. And I'm about to go speak at a conference. I'm walking in. I get a phone call from my wife. All right. I left my phone down at the airport. So she's trying to call me, call me. I can't figure it out. So I go to my iPad. 
and it shows, okay, missed call, missed call, missed call. So finally, I grab a phone from a friend. I call her, and she says, look, you know how you watch? Everything's okay, babe. Well, when she says that, it's, it's, you know, I'm getting stressful, right? And she said, look, baby, I just want to let you know we had a big storm hit. It was like tornado winds. Sheer winds came in. I just want to let you know Dee's house got destroyed. He wasn't at home. He was at work, thank God. But I think I got some pictures of this. And that's my son's home. And this was three weeks ago. And I want you all to see his bedroom. This is his bedroom right there. And that tree slammed right across his bed. If he would have been there, he probably would have been dead. And so I'm, I'm, I'm frantic, man, trying to figure out. So I get a red-eye flight. I fly here. I land about 9 o'clock, 9.30. I run to the house in my truck, you know. I pull up. My son pulls up. Here's a picture of me and my son. And, and all I could do was hug him. And my son, here he is, he's like, Dad, why does this always happen? And immediately right after, he says, you know what, Dad? I'm good. It's okay, Dad. Mom and I are having some challenges with it. But my son's like, hey, struggles make you stronger. And he just continued on. He could have quit. Look, some of you might want to quit today. I many times wanted to quit ministry. There's many times I've wanted to quit my finances. Right when we got married in 1993, it wasn't long after that, I had a triad. My whole knee went out, all right? Everything. We thought we had insurance through Southeastern University. We thought all that was going to take care of it. Next thing they know, they send me a $40,000 bill. We're newlyweds in college. Did I say we were pastoring too, all right? We were living on Roman noodles, man. And I'm just looking at that. What the heck are we going to do? Year after year, we kept paying on that. You fast forward 25 years into marriage, I had 14 surgeries, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, had five back surgeries. Many of them had to go out of state, not under the network. And talking about your faith being tested. Every month, I got a bill. And that bill was as much as a house note. And then every month as a family, my dad taught me this when he got saved, is you always honor God with your first fruit. You always honor God with the tithe. It's not something you give, something you worship God with. It already belongs to him. Amen. And so we would look at that, and it's like, here's this house note on medical bills. Here's our tithe. Here's our operational budget. I, it don't make sense. And there was a lot of people that would look at me and say, hey, go bankrupt. It's only medical debt. You didn't really do that. But every, every month it had my name on it, guys. Every month I saw it. And so what we had to do, our faith had to be tested month after month, year after year. Fast forward 25 years later, last February, I got back from Israel, and I wrote a honking check, guys. We downsized over $160,000 in medical debt. And you know what? Totally debt-free. Come on, somebody. Right? But I'm going to tell you right now, you might be struggling with your finances. And the test is, are you still going to give God what he gives? Are you still going to honor God? Are you still going to? Our faith is going to be tested. Y'all do realize that. And look what the scripture says about your faith being tested. All right? It says, count it all joy. Now, it's like almost every time I got that bill, it's like I wanted to laugh, right? Because like, hey, there's no way. I'm going to give you a dollar here and there, two dollars, laugh. That's all I got. But count it all what? Joy. 
It's just not joy when things are going great. It says, look, joy when you meet trials of variation kinds. For you know that the testing, there's that word again. Come on, I want the eraser, right? It says, the testing of your faith produces steadfast, and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Sometimes it's a test. Sometimes it's a delay. Sometimes it's a difficulty that allows the seed of faith to take root in your life. So, are you shallow today in your faith? What do you need to look at head on today? Whatever you face in that challenge, that circumstance, you say, what? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to overtake it. Talking about the heart. Talking about dirt here today. Third thing that he, he gives us an example of, and that is, is your heart distracted? Verse 14, again, talking about this seed among the dirt. He says, as for that that fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by the cares and riches and the pleasures of this life. And listen to what it says here. Their fruit does not mature. Okay? Now, any of y'all ever been knocked out? Come on, somebody raise your hand. You ever been knocked out, all right? Some of you been knocked out. I mean, Jay's raising his hand. I know that. He's a big boy, but, I mean, knocked out. Now, that don't surprise me one bit, all right? But, but knocked out is instantaneously. I mean, it's like, wham, where'd that come from? You out, you wake up, and it's like, what happened, right? But there's a difference in being knocked out and choked out. Choked out is a little bit different. Because choked out is gradually. And sometimes when you're getting choked out, you don't even realize it. He's saying here that, look, you receive the word. You enter. Things are going good. It says, look, man, you're a believer. You're following after God. But all of a sudden, growing with the word in your life is also these thorns, these weeds. And before you know it, what happens is there's only so much that you can give either one, right? There's always that challenge there of, am I going to serve God or am I going to serve the world? But slowly what happens with the world, how many of y'all have noticed that? It's a little bit easier to get angry, right? Especially driving in Baton Rouge. Last night, somebody bumped their horn at my, my sister. We were driving. We pulled up. He gets out of the car, rolls down the window. He's talking to my sister like, no respect. I just walked over there, and I said, mind your own business unless you, I, I'm a pastor. I know that. But don't, don't talk to my sister like that, man. And all of a sudden, my, my brother-in-law, he says, you're in Baton Rouge. Watch it down. I said, I don't care where I am. I mean, I'm like, make it a scene. But here's the thing. Slowly, the world will grab a hold to you. Slowly, you get pulled back into things of the world. You've been trying to serve God, but have you noticed things are getting foggy a little bit? Getting lured back into those things. Maybe it's a habitual habit that you've had in the past. Maybe a little bit here, a little bit there. All of a sudden, you're being drawn back in. He says the pleasures of this world will choke out the, wor the word in you. But it's not just the pleasures of the world. It's called a busy lifestyle. How many of y'all notice we're all busy people? And if you got kids, you're definitely busy. But here's what we had to learn in parenting. Sometimes we have to say no to some good things so we can say yes to God. So here's the deal. It's summertime. It's great to take vacation. I want you to take time off. But don't have a vacation away from church and God this summer. Because slowly what will happen with distractions is you'll get distracted just for a little time. But what happens over time, it becomes a week. It becomes two weeks. It becomes a month. It becomes a year. 
And then before you know it, your soul pulled away from the things of God. Been there, done that, right? Am I talking to the right church? Okay, I'm just making sure, man. But being distracted, being distracted. Sometimes success is our demise. The things of the world, it'll grab hold to you. So here's a very theological question. All right, y'all ready for this one? This is big. I know this is a Cajun crowd. I'm Cajun. But here, how hard is it to grow weeds? Anybody want to tell me? Huh? Now, Jay's over here saying, I didn't say weed, Pastor Jay. He's like, <laughs> he's going back in them days. He's looking at say, it's very hard, man. <laughs> Got to have the temperature right, the environment, all that. I mean, he's, I didn't say weed. I said weeds. All right? <laughs> Y'all pray. I'm telling you, man. Lord, hell, right? It don't take no time at all to grow weeds. Have y'all noticed that? They just want to come up. That's your sinful nature. That's the things of the world. That's the seed snatchers out there that are always trying to pull you back in. And you have a choice. And here's the choice with this one about this. And that is, are you going to be choked out? Or, here's the thing, are you going to allow the roots to grow deep? So question with this one is, what do you need to say no to so you can say yes to God? What are some things you need to say no to today? And then lastly, as we're closing here, I want you to look at this. Talking about your heart. We're talking about the dirt, man. And that is what I believe that God wants is this the question. Is your heart prime real estate? Y'all know some dirt has no value. But y'all do realize your dirt is very valuable to God. Y'all hear me on that? God designed you with a purpose in mind. And part of that purpose is allowing your life to collide with his word for you to be more like Christ, more like his character, right? But ultimately to fulfill the purpose that God's given you. And the best way to do that is to let your heart be open and wide. And the Bible says a honest and pure heart, a good heart that bears fruit with patience. You know what I love about the word honest? It just means, look, just being vulnerable. Right? No more masks in church. It's just coming to church and just saying it as it is, right? God help me, right? If you need help, just God help me. That's what God's looking for. But what it starts with, again, if you want to change to a better you, it starts with an honest heart. You know, every year I, I bring some pastors in. We, we got a school of ministry that I teach and I share a story with them the first year, and they, they, they do this in my home, and I gather them together, and I read a story from them about ministry. All of our pastors at New Life Church, they know this story. They know it's coming because I'm going to share it with them. And so I thought as we close here, I just want to read this story. Is that okay to read it to you? 1945 was the year, and there were three energetic young men bursting into the ministry scene. Each was in their mid-20s and experiencing some type of measure of success. Two of them had already achieved notable influence. Two of these guys' names were Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford. They were known as the preaching dynamos. One university president, after hearing Templeton preach to a crowd of thousands, called him the most talented, gifted person that he's seen in the United States during his time. Bron Clifford was also believed someone who would greatly impact the church world. When Clifford preached at a chapel service at Baylor University, the president of the university shut the whole classes down and just basically turned the bells off back in that day, it says, and he allowed them to keep going on and on. 
At the age of 25, young Clifford touched more lives, influenced more leaders than any person in American history as a clergyman of his day. National leaders were vying for his attention. Both Templeton and Clifford started out strong, but by 1950, Templeton left the ministry and pursued a career in radio and television. At his deathbed, he denied Christ and said he no longer was a Christian. Clifford's story is nothing but short of a tragic. By 1954, just nine years after he was known as one of the amazing men of God right there in his day, nine years later, he left his wife. He left his two children. Alcohol became his vice that destroyed his life. And in 1954, he was found dead in a motel outside of Amarillo, Texas. Now, I got a picture here I want to show you as we close. Now, if you look at that to the right, you see a very young man in his 20s. Anybody can recognize that face? Billy Graham. Chances are most of you don't know the other two because they didn't finish strong. You see, Billy Graham, when he started his ministry at a young age, he said, God, start here first. And what he did is he set some things up. He has what we call a Billy Graham's manifesto. I don't know if you ever read that. Incredible about his personal life, purity, all the things he set up in his life, staying humble, integrity, all these things. All of you know Billy Graham, don't you? Because it was good soil. That dirt was honest. That dirt was pliable. And that dirt allowed God's word to take root in his life. And because of that, how many of you guys know he has incredible fruit? And on his dying bed, here's a quote from Billy Graham. My pastor was with him right before he passed, too. And he, he, he asked Billy Graham, he said, Billy Graham, will you pray for me? And Rick was talking to him. And then uh, he said, only if you let me pray for you, if you'll pray for me. So Rick's like, oh, boy, when am I going to pray for Billy Graham? <laughs> and here's what Billy Graham, Rick said, hey, what can I pray for you? He says, that I may finish the race. Brother, if you're Billy Graham and you're not finishing the race, I better do some soul searching here, some heart searching. But here's what he said. Listen, he says, look, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Jesus Christ. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head here as we close out the service. And I just want to encourage you really more than anything is just, just check your heart, man. Maybe some of you in this room here today, you can identify with all the different types of dirt. The Word of God is there, but where's your heart? Is your heart hard here today? You know what? Choose to forgive. Whoever that person is, just say, God, I forgive. And you just fill in the blank right there by the grace of God. Come on, right there in your seat. God, I forgive. Whatever it is, now just ask God to forgive you because we need it. Some of you here today, maybe it's you, you were going after God, but things have been a challenge and you just want to quit. Any of y'all want to quit here? Let me just tell you right now. Just look at it right now and say, you know what? I refuse to quit. I'm going forward. And then maybe some of you, you've gone back to the things of this world, and you realize, man, it's not what it used to be. It's not what it's promised. And you want to come back to Jesus. If that's you here today, come on, just lift your hand. Say, Darren, that's me. I just want to come back to Jesus, man. I'm ready to let go of the things of the past. I'm ready to forgive. Come on, whatever it is. 
I'm ready to let go of addiction. I'm ready to let go of strongholds. Whatever it is, the things of the world, I say no to right now in Jesus' name. And God, I say yes to you. God don't want you bitter. He wants you better here today. That's what God wants you to know, a good heart. That's what he wants to put inside of you. I'm going to ask all of you to stand with me. And I'm just going to pray personally. And if you want to follow along with me, you can pray. But I'm going to ask all of you, let's just focus in on Jesus. He's the one that changes the heart. It's not a church. It's not a man. It's Jesus. So if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes and just focus in. Jesus, we just come to you today, Lord. We thank you for your word that changes our lives. But God, we ask, Lord God, let it change our heart right now. God, forgive us where we've missed the mark in our own life. Lord God, forgive us, Lord, where we've harbored bitterness and unforgiveness. God, forgive us, Lord God, for being drawn to the things back to the world and Maybe giving in. But today, Lord God, we want to let you have total, total lordship of our life. So, God, we surrender all to you. God, let your word have its effect in our life. That all of us in this room, we can truly be fruit bearers that are more like you, reaching this community, reaching our neighborhood, reaching our workplace, reaching our school for you. That we can see this whole community changed. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. Come on, let's give God a hand for the word here today. Amen. Let's give Darren a good hand clap this morning. That was... You know, every year I have to go to the doctor to get a a checkup. And... Most guys in here who go to the doctor, you know what happens. A doctor walks in and he says, how you doing? And you say, everything's fine. I'm great. Even though you've been complaining to your wife weeks prior. Well, this, this couple weeks back, I went to the doctor. And I'm sitting in the little exam room waiting for the doctor to come. And all of a sudden, I hear, and the little nurse pokes her head and she says, you have a visitor like, what? And door opens a little further, and my wife walks in. I'm like, what are, you, what are you doing here? She said, I came to make sure you tell the doctor what, what's wrong. I'm like, I, I was gonna. She's like, no, you weren't. She said, the only way he can fix the things you've can, been complaining about is if you're honest with him. And I'm going to tell you something. The only way that God can fix the things that are wrong in your life is if you're honest with them. And so what a phenomenal message about examining our heart. This is something that doesn't, look, if Billy Graham right there at the end of his life is like, I want to make sure that I finish the race well, then surely all of us can understand and realize that we need to daily be on our face before God, asking him to change me and shape me and grow me and work on me. It is about changing day by day by day, amen, and letting our roots go deep down into the presence of God. So, Darren, thank you, man. That was a phenomenal message today, a phenomenal message. I'm going to invite you to do something. Uh, There's some of you in this room that when he was praying, you made the decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And if you would do me a favor, if you would uh, take a Connect card and fill it out, check off the little box that says, Today I gave my heart to Jesus. Or maybe you rededicated your life to Christ. 
Uh, and you can do this with that card if you would. I'm going to invite our prayer team to go ahead and begin to make their way here to the front in our altar area. And if you would bring that card up to one of them and let them pray with you and talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Christ, that would be amazing. Uh, and then also, if you need prayer for anything, church family, you know, a lot of times we walk in here, there are things weighing heavy within our heart, things going on within our life, maybe for yourself or a friend or family member. And a lot of times we're like, eh, I'm not going to worry about it. And we walk right out of here with those things weighing heavy within our heart. Listen, it is phenomenal to have somebody grab hands with you and pray over whatever that need is because it really encourages. So here's what we're going to do. As we dismiss this service here in just a moment, uh, if you need prayer for anything for you or a family member or a loved one, a friend, come and let our prayer team pray with you and minister to you. But today, as is, is we leave out of here, we're about to head out, go eat lunch, go hang out with family. But let us never forget this as we leave out of this room. We don't just go to church. So let's go be the church. Amen? Love you. Be blessed. We'll see you back here this next week.